From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. There are some things that you need to see to believe, right? We could almost say that seeing is believing. So what if I told you that sharing the gospel message of Jesus, the truth about Jesus, is less about sharing the story and more about living the story? Right? What, if, what if I told you that the message of Jesus is ratified by the demonstration of that change in your life? Right? Paul the Apostle once said, It is not with wise and persuasive words that I share with you, but a demonstration of God's power. And I want to share a story today, and the story we're looking at in the text alongside Paul's journey upon this trip is uh, is one of a guy, a Roman official, who believed in the message, who believed in what they were sharing because of the display of God's power through Paul. And along the way, we're going to see what else we can learn. So Acts chapter 13, starting in verse 4, it says this, the two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia, and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at the Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues, and John was with them as their helper. So let me just pause here. Their mission and their goal and their reason for taking this journey was one that was established by the Holy Spirit's leaders. Talked about this last week. Their purpose was a result of the Spirit moving in among them and among the community. Jesus said this. He said, when I leave, it's, it's, it's good that I leave because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And the Holy Spirit's the comforter, and he's also the guide. And when the Spirit of God is working through us, through the Holy Spirit, he leads us into purpose. It is the Spirit who is the active one of the triune God today. And many people shy away from, the, from conversations of the Holy Spirit, but when we look at the text, when we look at the, what the Scripture say, Jesus said, it's good that I go away so I can send the Spirit, and the Spirit's going to work in you, and He's going to work through you. And it is the Spirit's desire to work in you in such a way that it shapes you and leads you into purpose. He doesn't just, he doesn't just guide us on a random, aimless trip, but He is the guide to guide us into purpose. It's just a matter of us keeping in tune with what God's saying through the Spirit. So sometimes we need to pause and we just need to sit back and listen and say, what is the Spirit saying to me and where does he want to lead me? And then I just got to be obedient to that and then I'm, I'm following in the Spirit's leading. I don't know how many people have said to me before, I don't know what God's purpose is for my life. I don't know what God wants for me. I don't know where I need to go. Well, just pause and listen to the Spirit. It's not usually as big as you think. It's not like the Spirit said to Paul, this is all that you're going to accomplish and this is the destination. He just said, go. Go, set apart Paul and Barnabas, Saul and Barnabas, to go. And so they set sail. It doesn't say, and then they sat there, and they, they figured out the plan, and they worked out all the details, and they went through the map, and then they prayed some more, and they asked Jesus what, the, what do they need to stop along the way. It just said, then they, then they set out as the Spirit led them. they got to be listening and obedient. Now, here's the beauty of this, of this mission. I was thinking about this. If the Holy Spirit sent them, he'll be with them. He'll be with them. They don't need to worry. They don't need to fear. They don't need to concern themselves with the details. If the Holy Spirit sent them, he will be with them. If the Holy Spirit sent them, he will strengthen them. Right? When they find themselves weary in the journey, when they're tired of doing the work of God, of of doing what God calls them to do, he will strengthen them because he's sent them. When the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit sent them, then he will equip them and guide them in their work. 
probably heard this said because preachers often say it a lot that the Holy Spirit doesn't call equipped people. He equips people to the calling he's called them to. Right? So if the Holy Spirit's going to send you somewhere, he's going to equip you for that purpose. He will give them the abilities that they need. If the Holy Spirit sent them on this purpose, then he will give them the success that he wills. If the Holy Spirit sends you, person, in this church, then you can count on him to be in your corner. You're not anything except what he has purposed and willed. How many times have we said, well, God, just, just bless this work. We prayed, God, bless my finances or bless this trip or bless this endeavor. Well, what if God isn't for that trip or for that endeavor or for that work? Or he, doesn't, he doesn't like how you're spending your finances. God, We can't ask God to bless what we're doing, what we've set out to do. We can expect him to bless what he has set us out to do. We can't expect him to bless the finances the way I want them to go. Well, we can expect him to bless the finances the way he's willed it. We can't expect him to bless the work I want to do, but we can expect him, expect him to bless the work he set us off to do, right? And so here they are um, being led by the Spirit. The Spirit is equipping them. He's giving them success. He's going to be with them, and he's going to bless them. So they travel, and they first go to the Jewish synagogues, before uh, speaking to the Gentiles, the synagogue was basically a, a gathering where the Jews would gather and they would hear the scriptures being, being taught. And so they first go to the, the Jewish synagogues before they go to the Gentiles. And just so you know, as a way of information, I've said this before, that the Gentiles are anyone that's not born of Jewish descent, right? So if you were not born into a, a Jewish heritage, you are a Gentile. I don't know everybody's background here, but I'm assuming that everyone here is a Gentile. I may be wrong. But most of us are Gentile. When you hear that word, you've got to think anyone that's not a Jew, right? So before they go to everybody else, before they go to the Greeks and the Romans and everybody else, they first go and they share to the Jews. And, and they do this because it would have been easier for them to speak to the Jews because the Jews had a background in the Old Testament scriptures, right? They believed the Old Testament. And so when they are going sharing this, this new covenant, the new news of Jesus and the gospel, it would have been easier for them to persuade and to speak to them because there's already a foundation in the scriptures, right? You tracking with that? And so they go to them. And the Jews, we need to understand, were God's chosen people, right? In the Old Testament, God had a people group that he chose, that he set apart and was established, had established into his own nation. And people throughout the Old Testament, they're rebelling continually against God. Right? They're rebelling against his decrees and his commands and what he set them out to do, and they're constantly um, are unfaithful. And so um, you see in this New Testament a constant message to the Jewish people that God is going beyond them because of their rebellion and because of their hardness and because ultimately they end up crucifying the Messiah that they were waiting for. He's going beyond them, and he's, he's including everybody into his family. That's why in, in Romans chapter 1 it says, I'm not ashamed, this is Paul, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. And that would have been a shocker for Jewish audiences. First to the Jew, though, and then to the Gentile. I'm going to go to my, my chosen people, but then when they're hardened, I'm going to go to everybody else. And I'm going to include everybody else. See, this is the key. This is, this is so important. I, I love this. The message of Jesus is for everyone. It's for everybody. God desires, the word says, that none will perish, but everyone come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. No one is excluded from the message. The gospel is for all people. It's inclusive. You see this in the book of Acts, 
how the church kept expanding. Jews, men, women, priests, Ethiopians, Roman governors were believing and committing their lives to Jesus. The message is for all people. It's inclusive, but the message is also exclusive. It's inclusive, but it's also exclusive. It requires a commitment and a submission to Jesus as God, right? Not a, not a commitment to, a, to an ideology, not a commitment to a, to a church, but a commitment to Jesus and a submission to his word and to, to his teaching and to, to who he is and to, to what he declares. It's, it's inclusive, but it's also exclusive. Can I just say this? You can be a part of this church and not believe. You can belong before you believe because we, we want the message to be for everybody. We want, we want all people to come and hear the message of Jesus. We want, we want to be inclusive in that, in that sense, that they come and hear about Jesus because you can, you can belong before you believe, but pull over to Jesus. Right? There's a level to which you need to say that all I am is yours, let your will be done. Right? It's inclusive, the message, but it's exclusive at the same time. And listen to this. Can I just say, let the Spirit of God do the work of convicting hearts. It is not our job as a church to, to judge people outside the church. It's not our job as a church to do the convicting work of the heart to people outside the church. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I don't get to go up to random people that I know and say, you don't get to do this and you don't get to do that because this is the truth. But I can say, hey, listen, let me tell you about Jesus who died for all sins, every single sin, even your sin and my sin and this kind of sin and that kind of sin and all sin. Let me tell you about Jesus who loved you so much that he's willing to go to the cross, which we remembered today, for your sins. And let the Spirit of God talk to their heart when he's ready to talk to their heart about the things that he needs to talk to them about. Because can I just say that every single one of us in this room, the Spirit of God needs to talk to, to us about things, right? Every single, my, myself included, the Spirit's still putting his finger on stuff. Okay, we're done with this one now. We've worked on that. Now it's time to talk about this one. And I'm like, well, I don't want to talk about that one. But he's like, yeah, but it's time for you to talk about this one. No, my, my pastor's not coming up to me. My, my, my wife isn't, well, sometimes he does. But, but people aren't coming up to me and be like, let's, let's, uh, mm, mm, mm. sometimes they do. But I don't really listen until the Spirit of God says, call. Do you know that thing? We need to talk about that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we do. Right? Let the Spirit of God do the work convicting. So the Spirit led them first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. We pick up in verse 6. So they travel on this road trip through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and a false prophet named Bar-Jesus. Jesus was actually a very common name who was an attendant of the proconsul, Sergius Paulus. Now, the proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the, work, or hear the word of God. But Elamus, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Uh, uh, years ago, over a decade ago now, I was on a mission trip traveling up north, uh, to a couple churches and to serve in these reserves and basically put on kids' camps. Kind of what we're doing this week, as you can see the decorations, right? We're putting on kids' camps. And so the, the, the journey to, this, to, this, uh, to our destination was about 22-hour drive. And basically you drove until there was no road left, and then you had to take a 45-minute flight on these little nine-seater airplanes that in some cases felt like they were being held together with duct tape. Because you'd be sitting in them, and there'd be a piece of duct tape along the seam, and you're like, I hope I do not die in this plane. <laughs> but, but we basically would drive 22 hours, and it was 
part of, part of the journey was just, was just the journey, right? Part of the missions trip was just actually the trip along. And we stopped off at this church, I think it was in Wawa, just basically to crash on the church floor for a few hours, get some sleep so we can t- continue on the journey. But for whatever reason, I was tired. I wasn't tired. I was restless and I couldn't sleep. And so I decided to go for a little bit of a stroll about 2 o'clock in the morning. And so I left. And so I go for a little stroll around the church, and I encountered a group of young adults that were, that were out. Now, a few of them were extremely drunk. All of them were overtired because it's 2 a.m. And they proceed to ask me, hey, what are you doing out here? Because there's about seven of them and one of me. And so I proceed to tell them I'm with, I'm with the church over there, and we're just, we're just resting, and we're going up here, and this is what we're doing. Now, a few of them were intrigued, and you could see the wheels start turning, right? Like, what are you doing, and why are you doing that? And there was one person in particular that just instantly shut down. Like, just closed off, instantly shut down. That's going to happen, right? That's going to happen. Instantly shut down. And so I ended up uh, talking a little bit more, and there's one girl in particular who, who started to open up a little bit, and she started talking about how she was hurt in a church, and that turned her off, and she hasn't put, been put, uh, stepped foot in a church since. And so we started talking about Jesus, and we started talking about the gospel, and we started talking about the love of God and how, how people are broken, and all people are messed up, even people in the church are messed up, and, but Jesus loves her, and, and it was a really, really cool conversation. The other ones are listening. We had one guy that was, that was complaining about a knee pain. I'm just like, maybe I was overtired, but I'm like, Lord, let's just do some crazy stuff. So we prayed over him, and, and his knee was healed, or at least that's what he says, right? It was just an amazing time. But this one guy kept opposing the situation. He kept opposing the situation. He wasn't necessarily saying anything directly at me, but he kept saying to this girl in particular, don't listen to him. Why are you listening to this junk? Like, don't, don't believe this. And in a sense, he was saying that it's, it's nonsense. And this is kind of what's happening here in the text, right? So the, the proconsul, the Roman authority in the region had a desire to hear the word of God, to hear what Paul and Barnabas were preaching. He wanted to hear their message, which was cool because they're, they're on this mission. They're sharing the gospel all throughout this whole island. He catches wind of it. He catches wind of it, and he wants to hear more. And I just, I, that just made me pause for a second. I thought, you know what? When we're active in our faith, when we're active as a church, people are going to catch wind, and they're going to want to hear more. And I believe that's already happening in our midst, that people are catching wind of what God is doing, and they want to hear more. What's going on there? So he, the proconsul, hears what's going on. He says, I want to hear more. He sends for them, and, and they come and, 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 and preach to him. Now, now, the attendant, a Jewish, had enough respect for Judaism, for, for Jewish people, that he had a Jew as an advisor. Now, the, the thing with, with Elamus uh, is was he was a Jewish sorcerer. Now, that's kind of a contradiction because in the Mosaic law, in the Jewish law, they had laws against sorcery. So what we instantly can, can deduce from Elamus is he's not a law-abiding Jew. He would not have been like Paul was before Paul converted and gave his life to Jesus. Paul was a zealot religious teacher. He believed in what he believed, and enough so that he believed that people were, were or that Christians were, were twisting the truth. But Elamus wouldn't be that kind of guy. He was, he was a, a non-practicing Jew. He would have been a little bit of a self-proclaimed, self-appointed revealer. Right? So when we talked last week about, about authority coming under the church and coming under, under leadership and, and being sent out and being set apart by the church, that would not have been Elimus. Now, so he hears the message, and he actively seeks to persuade the governor from faith in Jesus. Don't listen to them. They're brainwashed. They don't know what they're talking about. This is not of God. This is ridiculous. This is silly. Don't listen. It's nonsense. They're weird. Don't believe in them. Can I just say that in your life, you're going to encounter people, two kinds of people. One, people that want to believe, 
People that want to hear the message. They want to know what's going on. And then you're going to encounter people who don't. You're going to encounter people who strongly oppose the message of Jesus. Strongly oppose the message of Jesus. When I recommitted my life to Jesus, there were people in my family who told me I was brainwashed. When I rededicated my life back to God, I went and had that hard conversation. Hey, just so you know, this is what's going on. Oh, you're brainwashed, and that's all brainwashed. They, they strongly opposed what God was doing. They strongly tried to turn me from my faith. There are going to be people who desire to hear the message. There are going to be people who strongly oppose it. We live in a country, although it was built on Judeo-Christian values, now has a driving force, a driving value system that contradicts or is in strong contrast with people. We are among, uh, like the governor, who want to hear it, but there are those, like Elamus, who oppose it. And often I find that they're in the same room. They're in the same space. But listen to this. I believe that the forces driving them are not of God. The Bible says this, that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but the principalities and powers of darkness. So while we think it's the person and we think it's the, the system, really there's something behind that influencing it all. I believe that, that, the, that the forces that, that are driving Elimus and, and everything that opposes God is the enemy in disguise, or more so, and he is an influencing factor behind the scenes. The Bible says that since the beginning, he has been opposition to God. We find and read about it in Genesis chapter 3. The Bible says, Jesus says that he's like a lying, lion prowling around looking for someone to devour. He's trying to stop strongly, passionately, the work of God. And so anything that sets itself up for God, the enemy is going to oppose. Now here's what this tells me. It is inevitable as a believer, as a Christian person, regardless of where you are on the, on the relationship spectrum, regardless of where you are on, on the knowledge of God, when you take a step towards Jesus, you're going to face opposition. It's almost a test that something's going right in your faith when you're facing opposition. Jesus said, you will be hated because of me. Hated, not there's going to be people who just don't want to be around you. No, you're going to be hated. Not, hey, it's, life's going to be really good, but there's going to be a couple people that just like kind of look at you funny. No, you will be hated because of me. You will be strongly opposed. When you sh and you might find this too. When you're sharing the message with somebody and they're open to it, there are influencing factors working against that in them. Not just against you, but anywhere where the message, where the gospel, where the kingdom of God is advancing, the enemy's pushing back because he doesn't want to lose territory. He doesn't want to lose territory in your life. He doesn't want to lose territory in the, in the governor's life. And so he's, I believe he's using Lemus as a driving force to prohibit the, the, the Roman consul here from, from believing. But look what happens, verse 9. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, this is like the first time we really hear of his, that name transition. We talked about that last week. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember, everything was done by the leading of the Holy Spirit. Looked straight at Elimus and said, you are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? So the spirit that is in Paul, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that when we believe, the Holy Spirit takes resident in our life. The spirit in Paul discerns the actions of Elimus and calls him out. Not today, devil. Not today, devil. Sometimes you just got to tell the devil not today, right? You oppose me, not today. 
You want to stand against me? Not today. You want a piece of this? Not today. Not today. Against you. Right? So he's thinking that he's fighting against man. He's really fighting against God. You are going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. And immediately mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. So the magician is made blind, which is a thing Paul knows all too well. Now, you've got to track with me a little bit. Let me take you back to, to Acts chapter 9. If you remember, uh, Paul was a Jewish Pharisee, a, a religious zealot who hated Christians. He was one who strongly opposed. He was one that the enemy was probably working through. He hated followers of Jesus. He believed that they were twisting the truths about God. Right? In, his, in his religion, in his belief, he believed they were twisting the truths about God. He believed they were blasphemers as they worshipped Jesus, a man, as God. Now, he became Christian. He gave his life to Jesus. He was converted, whatever word you want to use for that. While he was on his way to Damascus, a city, to find and bound Christians. Basically, he wanted to bring them before the authorities and have them jailed. That's how, that's how much he strongly opposed faith. That's how much he strongly, it wasn't just like, I don't like this and you shouldn't believe. It's, no, I'm going to get letters from authorities and I'm going to hunt them down. That's, that's talking about opposition, right? I'm going to hunt them down. But on his, on his way, he encounters Jesus. Now, what I like about Saul's encounter with Jesus is it wasn't like many people who would have encountered Jesus when Jesus walked the planet. They would have encountered Jesus in the flesh. They would have saw miracles in the flesh. They would have heard of this, this, this man who's loving people that he shouldn't love and being near people he shouldn't be near and, and, and working these kinds of miracles that no person had worked before. It wasn't like that. What Paul experienced was a spiritual encounter. Now, what I love about this is sometimes the Bible seems a little bit out of touch. Right, the stories and the things, because it happened thousands of years ago. We're like, man, that's different. I can't, we don't experience Jesus in the physical flesh, but we can experience Jesus in the spiritual realm. And so Paul has this encounter with Jesus, a spiritual encounter, much like we can have today, a very real encounter. Can I just say too, I share this with our with our, our rally this morning, group this morning. It is our vision as a church that people believe that it's life-changing when you experience Jesus. And that's why we do what we do. That's that's just like Paul. We want people to experience Jesus like Paul, have an encounter. Maybe not on a road when they're, when they're trying to persecute Christians, but if they are, we want people to experience Jesus. So Paul encounters Jesus, and it says that a light suddenly shines around him, and he heard a voice. And the voice with Jesus, it even says that the people that were with him heard the voice, but they saw nothing. And then after this encounter, it says that Saul was blinded, and he couldn't see for three days. Look at somebody and say three days. Now look at somebody else. Your second choice, say three days. Three days. Three days Paul was blind until a man, a disciple named Ananias, who was also led by the Spirit of God, went and prayed over him. Previously, Paul was spiritually blind to the person of Jesus, and now he's physically blind because of an encounter with Jesus. Three days. Three days, and this is significant. This is significant. Imagine losing your sight for three days. Right? Your world would be touched up, like be thrown upside down. When I wake up in the middle of the night and I can't see where I'm going, my world's upside down. Until you kind of, kind of get used to your surroundings and you remember that, okay, about four steps over to my left is the dresser and then I got to make a right and then I can touch, here's the light switch, that means that the door is a little bit to the right. Like your world's thrown upside down. It's, you, we don't realize how much sight is integral to our life until we're without it. Three days he's with, without sight. Elamus encounters the real Jesus in Paul and is blind for a time. Now let me take you further back. Do you remember the stories of Jonah and the big fish? 
Jonah was a, a prophet of God, and he was called by God, by the Spirit of God, to go to a city of Nineveh and prophesy that they need to stop sinning or they would face judgment. But Jonah didn't like that idea. He didn't like that idea. He wanted, he wanted them to face judgment, and so he actually rebelled against the call of God. Unlike Paul and Barnabas, who were led by the Spirit and were obedient, he actually set sail in the opposite direction. Like, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to run. I don't want to go there. He, he literally ran, which is silly because... So he literally ran, he finds himself on a boat, and God sends this storm. God sends the storm to tell Jonah, you're doing wrong. Sometimes the storms we face are because we're in direct rebellion against God. Why am I facing this? Well, maybe, just maybe, there's rebellion in and around your life. Maybe God's been asking you to do something, and you haven't been obedient, you haven't been listening. So God sends this storm to Jonah. And everybody that's on the boat with him are, are, are freaking out. They're thinking they're going to die. And Jonah realizes that he's a prophet of God. He realizes that this is him. And he says, listen, just throw me overboard. It's my fault. And so they're like, where, 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 what? Okay. <laughs> and they toss him overboard. They toss him overboard. And as he's sinking down in the water, sinking to his death. Now, the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, believed that the, the bottom of the ocean was the deepest parts of hell. It was Sheol. Like, that was darkness. That's why when Jesus cast the, the demons into the, bigs, the pigs and they ran off the cliff into the ocean, that's because there was a belief that's, that's the deepest darkness. So as he's sinking down to the deepest darkness, God sends a big fish to swallow him whole. Right? We know the stories. If you haven't read it in a while, you can find it in the Old Testament. Maybe you remember the, the felt Jesus board and, or the stories that you read as a kid. But we all remember the story, the, you know, the VeggieTales movie about it all. It's a good one. We still watch it today with our kids. And so he's sinking down, a big fish comes, and for three days, he's in the dark belly. There wouldn't have been a light switch, right? There wouldn't have been electricity. The flashlight wasn't invented. A match probably wouldn't have worked. Probably wouldn't have been wet. Three days, he's in darkness. Some scholars actually call this the belly of hell. The belly of hell. Three days to think, reflect, and have a change of heart. It would take three days for Jonah in that belly to change his mind and stir his heart to preach to the city of Nineveh. It would take three days blind to turn the heart of Saul, Paul, from being a persecutor of faith to a preacher and a missionary. Three days. Jesus spent three days in the grave. Three days. He died our death. He paid our price, was buried in three days. He was a new person. He was a new person. His mind was shifted. It says that when Paul received his sight, immediately he went and preached Jesus. So what would it take to make Lemus, this guy, this sorcerer, who's opposing the message, what would it take to change his mind? Three days, a time of blindness. Now what's interesting about this is this is the first recorded miracle of the Spirit working through Paul. And it's the same kind of thing that happened to Paul. Same kind of thing. Sometimes it takes a... a a bottom-of-the-well kind of situation, a rock bottom, a wall to convince someone or to convince us that our way of life and our way of thinking isn't right. And God's not opposed to using it. God's not opposed to using it. Did it for Jonah, did it for Paul, he's doing it in this Jewish sorcerer. Sometimes we hit walls, we hit bottoms, we like sing, and then we, then we finally cry out, why, God? It's like, because you haven't cried out, why, God, before now? Well, he uses that to get our attention, say, you got to change. you got to change. you got to look to me. Stop. Listen. Obey. Follow. 
So Paul goes from hunting down Christians, hunting down Christians, to immediately preaching the gospel. Elamus, it's opposing faith and is blinded. I wonder what came of him. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.